Welcome to episode 2 of Lads and Prides in Liverpool. I just want to start by saying thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast so far. The reaction has been boss, and of course a big thank you to our guests for sharing their stories and raising awareness of some of the issues we face being queer. I wanted to do this podcast to lift up queer voices and make them heard, so it's nice to know that people are listening. Now a little bit more on today's guest. Hannah Griff is one half of the Pocket Full of White podcast. In the dialogue, Hannah talks about what it means to be non-binary and why it's important we use preferred pronouns when addressing others. Hannah is amazing and there's a lot we can learn from listening to what they have to say. There's so much disregard for non-binary, I think, even in the queer community, as not everyone understands it. But listening to Hannah and what they have to say is really enlightening and they have a way of just making it so easy to understand. But yeah, you can hear more from Hannah in the next segment. Our next guest, Paige Tomlinson, a DJ music producer, shares her coming out story in Confessions from the Closet, and I think it's important to hear Paige's story, as she didn't receive such a warm welcome when first coming out. And that's a scary thing, something that I think every queer person can relate to, you know, that fear of not being accepted. Thankfully, things are alright for Paige now, but I'm made up that she's come on today and shared something so personal. And moving on to our final guest, and this week's queero, it's Kerry Williams, a writer and actress. Now, Kerry's actually straight, but she's been an amazing ally to the community, and especially the trans community. Kerry's just released a film on Amazon Prime, which she also stars in, about how two parents react to their child being transgender. You can hear more about that later on in the episode. But now, our first guest, Hannah Griff. So our next guest is Hannah Griff, a presenter on A Pocket Full of White, a podcast on Safari in your 20s. If you haven't heard it, I'll be playing a promo straight after this segment. Now, Hannah, you identify as non-binary, don't you? So for anyone listening who might be familiar with the term or just know a lot about it, can you just explain to them what it is to be non-binary? Oh, um, I feel like that's quite heavy. Like, it's quite a broad category, in my opinion. I think, like, personally, which is the only way I can really define it, um, being non-binary is just saying, like, I don't, um, like, identify with traditional binary gender norms um so like when i found out about non-binary i was like that's amazing because like i never felt like i was very good at being a woman or a girl or female and that was never something that really resonated with me so finding out it was more like kind of a like stepping away from gender rather than a gender in itself to me anyway yeah and so you only came out this year didn't you and you came out in your podcast so what was that like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was so nervous about recording that podcast, as I was saying to before. Like, um, I felt like, like by recording something and putting it out in the world, you're saying like, oh, I'm an authority, like, listen to me. And that's obviously not the case. Like, you're only ever an authority on yourself. And I guess that's how I had to see it. And um, it just felt to me like it was important to show how, like I'm being like a version of a person like this and that it's an option because that at the end of the day is something that helped me realise that I am non-binary and gave me a lot of like, I mean, like peace, but also like literally like, you know, we call it gender euphoria where like something just really resonates with you and you can feel like you can express yourself as yourself, you know. Um, so the idea that maybe someone would listen to it and be like, oh, like that's exactly, or not exactly, but like, as I say, that really resonates with me, you know? Oh, that's nice, though. And how did you find, like, the general reaction was to people who were close to you and your family and stuff? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with, like, lockdown and that, um, it's not really been, 
like out in the world too much other than me releasing it on the internet um all my like friends and loved ones have just been amazing um obviously it's something that you're really nervous about and there's a lot of like imposter syndrome was a really really big one for me um feeling like I wasn't like queer enough to be bothered to say to anyone do you know what I mean or to like stick your neck out with a label um but everyone's just been incredibly validating and helping me like learn more about myself by asking questions and being on that journey with me you know since you've um like officially came out and you now identify as non-binary are you finding out more things about yourself that you just didn't know before maybe 100 percent. like every like week or something i'll it's something that evolves with you so like for example um when i first came out to myself was the big one do you know what i mean um and then to my partner, my best mate, Charlotte, who I do the podcast with, um, I was like, I'm all right still being called she, like using them pronouns, like um, you can call me she all day, I'm sound with it. And then um, Charlotte was asking me about it a few weeks later and she was like, how do you feel about being called she? And I was like, oh, like it doesn't make me like cringe or like, you know, throw up in my mouth or whatever. But when I hear someone call me they, it makes me feel so like seen and valued and like, I think I said it made me feel sparkly and she was like oh so <laughs> it's like it's what you prefer then it's your preferred pronoun and I was proper like oh yeah um so like now when I'm talking to people about it I'm like yeah like they or them and um it's a funny one because like most of the time when people are calling me they or them like I'm not there to hear it you know like because they're referring to me in the third person um so it's only when I see it like written down or whatever and it still it still hits me like a ton of bricks I'm like oh my god like people really like see that and respect that about me and it's important it's really beautiful that's what I love about like our community especially I think you know everyone respects like each other and mm. I think that's what like I'd love to see cross over now into like more of like the mainstream culture because I still feel like there's a lot of mainly straight people isn't he does he even some mm. in our community that you don't understand and like deal Definitely. you know they're not respectful of pronouns and that so like mm. how would you say we tackle that and like we, we do better like it's a big one I think generally like for me like gender's totally a spectrum right and it's only ever harmful to reduce it down into like binary male and female like you know there's plenty like you end up with this like idea of what it like looks like to be a trans person or like what it looks like to be a gay man you know and if you're not like really camp or whatever you're like oh you're not like a normal gay man or whatever but like that's just like another aspect of toxic masculinity and the you know bloody old gender binary it's just only ever harmful and reductive so like I guess it's just watching our language and people really take the mick about it don't they and they're like oh it's political correctness gone mad but like you know like the image of I don't know, like a like some sports coach like calling a load of lads like ladies in a derogatory way. Like, there's just is there a place for that in like this new world that we're carving out? Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's still a lot we need to do to like move on and like until we start actually listening to each other and not just you know trying to take the Mickey and trying to make other people laugh and we actually listen to what others are saying. I, do you know what I mean? We're not going to move anywhere or progress as a society. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's spot on. I think it's just about, um, like, honestly, just sticking on, like, microaggressions. And, like, when you hear something that's not on, just being like, e, you know? Um, like, you don't have to be, like, 
you know, some middle-aged man's made some, like, horrible, unacceptable comment and you have to be like, right, mate, this is the thing and I'm going to give you an essay and shout you down. You can just be like, ee. And he's like, oh, there's less of a place for that kind of attitude in the society. Like, I'm I'm going to do it less. Um, and as well, I think, like, it's our job as, um, you know, grown-up queer people who are generally more like um comfortable and confident in like themselves and their lives like it's our job to stand up and form this world so that the next generation are going to grow up like without some of the stuff that we had do you know what i mean and it's going to be easier for them um because like the idea of some as i'm always on about middle-aged man i'm dead bad for it but like they're the they're always the worst ones for me who make the comments um and I'm all right with it, like water off a duck's back, a, duck, a duck's back, like I don't care. But the idea of him saying something like that to some like 15 year old trans kid, it just just makes me want to bite him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think as well, like, you know, your white, cis, straight, middle aged man in our society is seen as like the default kind of a person. Um, just because that's that's the patriarchy, that's capitalism. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Um, but really, like, what proportion of the population is a white, cis, straight, middle-aged man? Um, I feel they could be, do with being taken down a rung or two. Or rather, we could bring up a rung or two, you know? So we're all on the same coat hook. That's a cute little metaphor, wasn't it? <laughs> you can hear Hannah in a pocket full of white podcasts. Here's a promo coming next. Hey, potty fans, I'm Charlotte. I'm Hannah. We're from Pocket Full of Y Podcast. We're good pals who met in college about a decade ago and have been through a bunch of stuff together and apart since. Join us every Friday for frank and frankly daft chats on stuff like practical self-care, relationships, being green, mental health, gender and queerness. We've been told our show is... Insightful and informative. Strangely comforting. There's an absolute delete. Soothing, funny and thoughtful. What other accents even are there? Find us in all the podcast places and on Instagram at Pocketful of Why. My next guest is Paige Tomlinson, a music producer and DJ. You right, Paige? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So, uh, how long have you been DJing for then? Um, so I've been DJing now for around about three years. It's been um, a very first started back in 2016. It was. Uh, and it's funny because I remember the exact time, the day, like everything that it, that it come on me that I wanted to be a DJ. Um, so yeah, it was crazy. So what was it that made you want to be a DJ? Uh, it was um, 2016 December Mad Friday uh. <laughs> specific, <laughs> um, and I was at once you know Loden Lo Sung one of her events no, no. Um, called Low Life, the, the boss events. The energy was like bouncing. And I just remember looking and I was thinking like, what is actually stopping me from like doing exactly what, what she's done now? Like I could just follow follow what she what she's doing and that could be me. Cause at the time, like there wasn't any really like female producers in Liverpool. She was like the only one that was sort of smashing it. And I just thought like, exactly what is stopping me from doing the same well that's a, another thing I was going to ask is like usually in like the music producing scene in the pool I don't think like there's much of like a you know women representation there so like why is it important to you to be representing all the women yeah I think it's important because there are females out there that do want to 
be a DJ and I do think they are kind of put off by it that there is it's such like a male dominated industry and yeah. some people who aren't as confident might think oh no I can't do that like I'm, I'm not going to be good, as good as lads but like girls can actually do like anything that, that lads can do and that's what motivated me because it just made me think I can actually do anything that like I put my mind to and that's what happened like after being at that gig and in the new year I just decided I'm going to save up for like a few years sorry save up for a few months and just sort of buy my own equipment my controller speaker headphones um, and yeah within a year of just like smashing practicing like every day like I was so motivated like, I wish I had like the motivation now what yeah. I did then for certain things because I used to like go on it every single day like perfect everything um, and then after a year I was confident enough to like put my own mix out and send my own mix to like a few like events around Liverpool and just say like will you just keep me in mind for any like future warm up slots and that's exactly what he's on. So then moving on to you being gay when did you like come out? Um, so I was 16 when I first come out, um, so I was in year 11 and it, it literally took me by surprise, like I, I I wasn't one of them people that grew up all my life thinking I'm definitely gay, it literally just took me by surprise and um, yeah, like, like anyone it is like such a confusing time and yeah. you just don't know what, what to expect. What Especially people, at 16. Yeah, like thinking back how I was really young to sort of come out and but yeah, a really confusing time. And what was like the general reaction from people? To be honest, it was quite a tough time, like especially for my family, like my mum and dad, I remember. Um, I didn't give it much thought that I was going to come out because I didn't want it to be like the whole, I'm going to come out. I just wanted yeah, it to yeah. be like, you know, just a normal conversation. And that's what I thought it was going to be like. Um, and I remember we were getting ready for this like family party and they were speaking about me having a boyfriend and I was like, oh no, like, I like girls. And they literally just kicked off. Did they? Yeah, yeah they oh. were like, "No, you don't. It, it's a phase. Um, you need to have a boyfriend." But like, they're, they're so like old, like the 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 like they're so old old fashioned. Sorry. Yeah. Like with the thoughts, and I think that's what they struggled with. They just wanted me to have this like perfect life, get married, have kids, and they just couldn't see past that. Um. But yeah, it, it was really confusing. Like for absolutely years, they were trying to convince me that it was just a phase. And sometimes I did think, because I was so young as well, I did sort of think, is it just a phase? Like, Especially when like the people who were in authority of you are telling you that it is a phase. Like yeah. you, you would start to think, wouldn't you? Yeah, like the people who I'm closest to are constantly telling me that it is a phase and it's not who I'm meant to be. So obviously my head was like fucking gone, like mm. at the time, especially because I was so young as well. Um, but yeah, as the years have went on, um, they, they have sort of got got used to it and got easier with it, and um, especially now the 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 sound with it, yeah, like yeah, there's there's no problems now. But back then it was such a big problem. It was really causing like a massive divide in the family, and I think that's what they realised and they thought like something needs to change because it was it was massively causing like a divide and. If nothing changed, it it would have been yeah would have been bad. And what about like your friends? How were they with it? My friends were sound. Like literally, because I could come out to them. It was in college. I like I think they all sort of knew. And mm. over the summer, um, 
because I sort of realised when I was like in year 11 and then over the summer I sort of kept it to myself and I was a bit like confused myself but I think they all sort of knew and then in college that's when I told them um, but they were sad, they were like yeah we knew anyway so <laughs> that was just a massive sigh of relief because yeah. I was nervous to tell them after like obviously my own family like acting like that Oh, hell? Like I can't believe that's the reaction that you got, but like it, it does happen, doesn't it? Like yeah, no, it, it was such a bad time, but I'm just happy now that they've moved past that and yeah. they they were able to accept it because now it's just like such a better atmosphere. Um, like it just like especially in the relationship I'm in now. Like a few years ago, they would never ask my girlfriend to come round or never ask how she is. Whereas now they're always asking about her, asking her to come round. It's just like such a better environment yeah. for everyone, really. And like, what would you say then to if there's any other sixteen-year-olds out there who are listening and like might be worried? What would the, what advice would you give to them? I'd say just just be strong, really. Like, mm. if anything, this podcast I wanted to do it so if anyone was listening that that they that they do know that there was someone else out there that was going through exactly what they are doing now. So if it helped one person, then I'd be absolutely made up. But I just say, do, like, I know it's easier for me to say because I'm quite like a strong person, but try and be as strong as you can. Like, stick to your guns, stick to what you're thinking. Don't let people's opinions sway that. Because I know it's really easy at the time to second guess what you're thinking Definitely. and like change your mind and stuff. But yeah, just be confident and stick with it. I always say like it's good having a group of friends and Anja that are comfortable with you and who you are because then you feel yeah. like more. If your family can't provide that support at the time, then at least you've got your friends to always fall back on, haven't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, moving on, has there been any like queer people or artists or anyone like that who've inspired you? Um, I'd say definitely when I was younger, like I was a huge like Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry fan. To be fair, like a lot of people don't know that, but like. I'm still a huge Katy Perry fan. <laughs> I remember when I first came out and I used to listen to I Kissed a Girl on repeat. Like, I was obsessed. I think that was so <laughs> many, like, people's awakenings when it back yeah. in the day. <laughs> I know. But yeah, um, yeah, loved all them back in the day. At the minute, though, sort of in the music scene, one of them now, I'd say Honey Dijon, she's like a massive, oh, yeah, yeah. massive person to look, look up to. Is there much of a queer community in the music scene or? I mean, there's loads of there's loads of events out there, especially in Liverpool. You've got disco festival. Yeah, disco festival. What's the other one? That's always in Kitchen Street. Um, Sonic Youth, that's it. Oh yeah, Sonic yeah. Youth, that's always on. Um, there is like a massive community in the music industry for for, for queer people, so yeah. it is amazing. And like, I know you said you haven't played in any gay clubs, but is that something that you're going to look on to in the future? Definitely, like I haven't played because like no one's asked me, but like definitely in the future, like, I always look at Sonic Houston and think I'd absolutely love to play here. Like, um, like the energy in there every night. Um, Horse Me Disco, they always play in Kitchen Street and that sort of like looked at it as a gay event, mm. and they're just so like liberating. Like, me and mate Leo were laughing the other day because we always go to all these gay events and we always like look at each other and we always like, oh my god love being gay it just it just gives you that sort of feeling well say if you got the call to play a pride next year what would your go-to tracks be um i'd say anything from fast eddie he's like a um old 90s producer he's just sick all his 
tracks just you could just imagine people if you're Vogue and Sue them. Yeah, yeah. Um another one would be Arm um, Van Helden, I think it's called Work Me God Damn It. Oh but, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just imagine people roving to that. Anything, yeah. anything for Vogue. I love Vogue. I know. So but I try, like I try my best. Can you Vogue? No, I try. <laughs> I make a show myself. Oh, I do. I go to like G Bar and I just think I'm the best. And like, well, not G Bar because G Bar is not like Vogue music. But no, G Bar. G Bar is the place. I yeah. can't wait till G Bar opens today is Kerry Williams, a writer, actress and producer. How are you today, Kerry? Ah, uh, I'm amazing. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So the reason that Kerry is our queero this week is because she's just released a movie that deals with transgender issues to coincide with National Transgender Awareness Week. So Kerry, tell us a bit more about the movie. Um, the film's called Out of Time. It is on Amazon Prime as we, um, as we speak. Um, it's doing phenomenally well. I'm literally chuffed because I thought just literally my mum and a couple of my mates were going to watch this. <laughs> um, and it's really, really took off. And the feedback and um, the buzz about it is just brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I'm being on a platform like Amazon Prime. is just brilliant anyway. So, yeah, out of time. Um, it took a long time coming, that film, but it's um, it's now finished and it's... It's there, ready for everyone to see. Oh, brilliant. And what, so just tell us a bit more about the film and what people can expect when they go and see it. Um, Out of Time is about an ordinary working class family from Liverpool who are dealing, um, well, it's, it starts off that bit, the um, her, Sam, which is played by me, and her husband, Danny, has been in jail for eight years and he gets out and there is a secret that they've been keeping from him for those eight years. And the secret, uh, without giving too much away from the film, because it's very well known, is that their child wants to be transgender. So is, um, and it comes as a very, very big shock to Danny. Um, and it's just all those emotions from a parent's perspective. Um, not, it, we don't really tell the story from um, the child's perspective. We just touch, we touch on that, but because it's really, it's the parents' perspective I wanted to write from, um, and it's the all their emotions that come pouring out, um, and it was really, really heartfelt to do. It, it really did steal a piece of my heart. That film, it was very, very um, emotional to to not only write and research, um, but it was really emotional just to to be on that shoot. We were all on it. We were all so passionate about it and we all wanted to get it so right that it was, I was almost paranoid to make a single mistake on it because I'm not transgender and my ch- I haven't got a child who's transgender, but I have got four children, um, and which is probably why I wrote the story in the first place. Um, I remember watching a program and at this moment in time, I'd n- I didn't know hardly anything about transgender and anything to do with anything like that. I, I, I had no idea that people go through such a harrowing and distressed time, you know, because it can be in a thought, wow, we go through so much as children and teens. I remember my teens, um, you know, because you're dealing with spots, you're dealing with this, you're dealing with that. On top of everything else, being a teenager, getting bullied, being doing this, having anorexia, all 
then you've got this being born into the wrong body. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is like, this is huge. How come we do not know about this as parents? How come I've had to literally go on some mission to go and find all this information out? Why isn't this readily available? Why isn't this, why is it such a taboo subject that I've had to just decide that I was, I, I don't know how many autobiographies I've read. I, I literally became slightly obsessed with wanting to know all the answers because I felt sad that this wasn't information that was readily available um, or known. Because, it, you know, you mention transgender or, or, and everyone is so quick to dismiss it. Oh, oh no, no. And you think, why? And to be born in the wrong body, you read some of them stories, and I, I, if you've got a human heart beating inside of you, you're going to be torn apart because it's just, it's all these children and adults and teens who live with this. Um, it's so sad. It, and they, there should be, we should talk more about it, and we should know a little bit more about it. And, and, and I'm pretty sure, you know, if people did, they would be a lot kinder. And that's all. That really got to me and I just thought oh hang on a minute I've got two films ready to go here I've been writing for 15 years but this story really affected me so much I just didn't know where to put all the feelings that I had inside and I thought right I'm gonna have to just pour this out somewhere because I was so so moved I, I was literally honestly you should see how much I've never cried so much over a subject in my whole life I was devastated knowledge is is power isn't it once you know once you really put yourself in someone else's shoes you get you understand it and you you do have more empathy and you do have more compassion but it's just such a shame I, I was I was just so upset for these children that I thought what can what can I do and I, I know I can't change the world I'm no one I'm just Kerry Williams who writes a couple of shows around Liverpool and and, and I didn't do it to to change the world I just did it because I needed to pour my my feelings into something to 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 express how I felt about it, and that that's all it was. Um, so sorry, I talk a lot. Sorry, everyone. No, <laughs> talk as much as you want, but um, that's what I think's brilliant about like the movie and what you're doing because you you're pushing it like to ma mainstream audiences. Like Amazon Prime is such a massive platform, and the fact that there's going to be people from Liverpool. And even all over this country, you can go and watch a film about transgender issues in Liverpool. I, I think that's brilliant what you're doing. And like, you're going to raise so much awareness, not just locally, but on a national scale too. And you know the actor that plays Connor, who's, yes. who's the child? Little Frankie. Yeah, Little Frankie. Frankie. Um, so how was that experience for him? Like, how did he perceive the storyline himself? Did, did he understand like the role he was playing? Frankie literally stole our, all our hearts and we were like oh it's just plays vulnerable so well and we, just, we all fell in love with his face is just beautiful he just killed. I thought he was my son by the end of the shoot I was like he's coming home with me <laughs> <laughs> um, he was just beautiful he just he just got it and we sat we sat and we spoke a lot with his parents and his parents spoke a lot with him and we really discussed it in a lot of, like, you know, because this is a big role to take on. It's huge. Um, and he really did have to understand it. And he just got it. He just seen it. For someone so young 
Um, and I think that's the beauty of children. Children do. Children just ex- just just accept, don't they? It's those adults that we've got to change. Yeah, no, definitely. Couldn't agree more. But um, yeah. So working on the film as well, like, did you speak to any transgender people or maybe charities that deal with transgender? Yeah, we did. Well, I've got a couple of friends who were transitioning. And um, yeah, they really helped. And we also had a couple of crew who were going through it at the time. One we didn't really know until we actually um, got halfway through the shoot and he just said, Kerry, can I have a little word? And um, and I said, yeah. And he said, this is my life playing out here. Oh, no. And I, I yeah, honestly. Um, so we had to stop the shoot because I had to get myself together again. But all I did on this shoot, by the way, was cry my eyes out because it, I just felt like, wow. How like how amazing is that? We asked him. We said, if anything ever gets said or done on this set, like it definitely wouldn't happen. I was like, make sure you you be heard. And he was like, oh, I will. So we we had loads of loads of help. And that's all for episode two. Thanks to our guests for coming on. And if you'd like to come on and share your story, send an email to loudandproudin at gmail.com or you can contact us on social media, either Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our user is at loudandproudin. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And that's all for this week. I'll see you next time.